Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin and I am thrilled to be speaking to you in the midst of a relatively exciting thus far spring training a relatively exciting thus far world baseball classic and a relatively uh knock on wood non-calamitous start to uh things here uh for the seattle mariners um we're going to talk through some spring training storylines thus far uh, as well as uh, a, a few things that may have stood out to us. Um, so I am here joined today, just just the two of us, uh, just the two of us. Uh, you and I. <laughs> uh, Evan James. Evan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm in a great spot in life, feeling good about the Mariners. And uh, I'm excited for when Kate gets back because she's going to have all kinds of juicy details. She is down at spring training right now doing the hard work for us. So uh, we love her. We're happy about that and excited for all the juicy details when she gets back. But excited to do a little uh, two-man boys-only show today and uh, dig into spring training because we haven't actually talked about baseball since the Mariners started playing. So this is this is a bold new territory we're in right now. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. Fortunately, not, <laughs> not one of the biggest components of podcasting, but all the same. <laughs> 
it's uh, it is a challenge. Uh, but yeah, that's right, Kate. I know Kate has spoken uh, with a few uh, folks already in the organization um, and some players. So, uh, and she she's been sending video. Um, so I uh, I look forward to hearing her reports. Last night, uh, you know, to to part the veil, we were she was at the uh, Mariners Dodgers game at the Dodgers uh, Stadium. Uh, Camelback Ranch, I believe is the name there. And uh, she sent me a photo of her view from the booth. And it's just she is behind one dark window pane. And every other window pane is uh, light and clear like a window might be. And hers is like um, like she like they put it in wrong. And she's like on the tint side of the window uh, <laughs> for, for a, you know, maybe illegally dark tinted uh, car window. So uh, her view of Logan Gilbert was poor, um, but uh, <laughs> may have been worse than than you and I's uh, if you if you caught the clips. Um, but no, she she's getting some good stuff. Um, and I actually was down uh, just for, for a, a quick bit myself um, recently. Um, I know we've had several folks from the staff down there. Um, Anders Jorstad and Eric Sanford, I know, have both been been down there, um, and uh, it's fun. I know it's not this is not groundbreaking, but man, spring training's good. Um, just like, just so you know, so many circumstances of just walking around and running into running into you know the, these notable people. Um, you know, running into players of, of all levels and, and everyone's generally in a pretty good attitude. So um, I, I saw uh, a hitting rotation of um, Michael Arroyo, uh, one of the Mariners' top international signees, uh, the, the highest paid uh, signing bonus for any player out of Colombia in the country's history um, from last year. Who, or I guess a couple of years ago, who had a really good first season and probably will be stateside and and maybe even into low A this year, um, looked extremely impressive uh, and you know sort of in keeping with his performance. Also saw um, Cole Young, the Mariners' first round pick from last year, Axel Sanchez, who uh, you know had sort of a eye opening performance in in Modesto this past year. Um, yeah, just a you know, just a lot of this stuff where it's you know you have all the players in one place. You know, it it it's exciting and it's um, interesting, and uh, you get to see sort of how they how they interact a little and and perform a little bit more uh, in depth. So, uh, so that was very very much neat. And then what has uh, I know you you know we were talking a little bit. You've you've been able to watch some spring training. Has there been any specific thing that has stood out? for you, um, you know, in particular with, uh, with spring training so far, has there been a, a player who is, who has really opened your eyes? Has there been a, a sort of storyline that's been most compelling for you? What's, uh, what's, what's yeah. sticking with you? Yeah. The obvious answer has got to be Jared, right? Leading the cactus league in home runs, hitting four <laughs> something. Um, 
you know, it's spring training and hope springs eternal. And we all know intellectually, we can't put too much stock into spring training numbers. It does it legitimately and honestly doesn't mean anything. But yeah. when it comes to Jared, the track record of success against big league pitching of any kind is so short that we are, <laughs> we're looking for signs. And like when he looks good, he looks really good. He hits the crap yeah. out of the ball and he's hitting spraying line drives all over the park, not just pull stuff. Um, stole a base yesterday, worked a walk, like all, all good stuff. Obviously, um, you know, there was a thing on Twitter about how it, everything he's hit out of the park so far has been right down the plate. You know, he's, he's squared up some really easy fastballs, but he didn't do that last year. That was part of the problem. Yeah. So if he does that, uh, already improvement. So I'm excited about that. I'm happy to see Evan White's played a little bit and it does in fact exist and is still alive. Uh, got out there. Um, still still kind of coming back to it a little sore apparently, but hey, he's out there. That's a big deal. Um, yeah. Is there anyone I wanted to know from you, one guy I've been really curious about that I didn't get to see play that much, but I think I caught an interview or two here was Juan Ten has been out there and looked all right. Um, did you yeah. catch any of him at spring training? I saw him uh, at one one game I was at, and uh, he looked pretty pretty solid. I think the thing with you know one ten is he's had so many uh, injuries that it's really sort of uh, slowed his um, you know it slowed his development because you know you'll see him at one occasion he's throwing ninety four to ninety eight. Uh, and that's really impressive. And then he'll be 92 to 95, and that's a very different pitcher. You know, he, he's not his stuff. I mean, there's nobody really whose stuff is not dramatically impacted in those regards. So, uh, you know, I was seeing a lot of at least 94s uh, pretty consistently, which was not too shabby. And his slider was looking sharper. So, you know, he's still he's still quite young. He He's, I think, not, you know, he is no longer necessarily knocking on the door as he might have been um, a year or two ago, uh, just with how his performance has regressed. But, you know, that's okay. And he he has the stuff still where hopefully he is, has a little bit more time to, you know, actually throw, you know, 40, 50, you know, innings this year as opposed to last year where he, I think, threw 12. Yeah. So um that that that's definitely someone i'm i'm looking forward to seeing um i also did get to see dias on arias who is um another uh sort of undersized but hard throwing righty um few years older later sort of signee uh from the dominican um and uh looked very very good definitely going to be in Tacoma at some point this year and I think will be a, a point of significant entertainment for people um, so yeah there's 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 a there's a lot going on which is good because Seattle I think definitely has a few bullpen spots that are not totally locked up not in terms mm -hmm. of necessarily performance although that but um, but definitely in terms of uh, you know whether people are going to be fully ready for the start of the year uh, that's I think a little bit uh, you know, a little bit up in the air. Certainly, Andres Munoz, they're not seemingly too concerned with. You know, they're they're really sort of pacing him um, as he works back from his foot surgery, which makes total sense. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you, you're just you're pretty frequently liable to end up with some bullpen spots opening up as the as the season goes. So, um, yeah. especially with Flexen as one of the bullpen arms right now, which is not 
a complaint by any means. <clears throat> I'm interested to see uh, if that, if you know, he still is the long man, or if we have some other sort of construction here, um, especially with Bryce Miller continuing to look even more impressive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, did you talk about him for a second and yeah. how good he looked? He threw uh, three shutout innings. I think this was two days ago, not yesterday. I was watching. Yes. Yes. But yeah, he looked real sharp. Um, obviously, the fastball plays up. He got two strikeouts with it in that one inning I caught. Uh, Jerry has had nothing but very flattering things to say about it. He did an interview a couple of days ago. Uh, and he said that Prelander Barroa and Bryce Miller's fastballs are the highest graded pitches in camp. In more than one place, that Bryce Miller's fastball is the highest rated pitch in the minor leagues, which is like kind of a big deal when it comes to whether or not the guy might be making your fifth spot, right? Yeah. This is not a dude who's trying to usurp somebody in the number two or the number three spot. We're talking about a guy with, again, basically, this is the second year in a row the Mariners might be starting a rookie with a magic pitch in the. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and obviously Bryce Miller is much more of a rounded starter than Matt Brash was. He was kind of an enigma that we were hoping could, you know, find the consistency to work four or five innings. Bryce Miller had a really rock solid year last year in double A. I want to ask you this, John, both. Did you get to see any of him? But assuming he doesn't start the year on the team, where do you think he goes? Because I have a lot of questions about that. Yeah, so I I was very bummed. I miss I we we uh, the games that I saw. It was the day after he pitched, and then you know leaving the day that he pitched next. So uh, I, I didn't unfortunately get to see him any more than uh, you know y'all on video. Um, I've watched a decent amount of Bryce Miller previously, um, and I think he looks even better now. Um, and and that is just more consistency uh more sort of uh refinement in his motion um you know miller is not like a wild pitcher by any stretch but you know he's not he, last year he certainly wasn't like completely locked in um you know command all the time and he is looking more consistent, at least at the gate. I mean, he is just hitting a lot of spots with his fastball. And, um, you know, I think you could certainly look at uh, him and Logan Gilbert in a similar stead to some degree of how much can you ultimately lean on your fastball in modern baseball. But uh, Miller's, Miller's fastball has like, a lot more going for it than Gilbert's. Um, and, and even with Gilbert having great extension and you know obviously just 95 to 98 as his velocity like miller miller miller's getting a sort of better spin um you know better spin profile on it and he is locating it really consistently um so that then his his breaking ball because i think you're right uh, you know the point on brash is right brash had had and has essentially two or two and a half really good pitches and and realistically it is two you know variations of the breaking ball that are really really nasty and then his fastball's hard but it's not necessarily like the best um and miller just has a little bit more uh on on his breaking balls and on his off speed that i think are um are encouraging for him to be a starter um i did not think that it would be this quick as 
not just is Bryce Miller going to make the team as a reliever, but is there a spot for Bryce Miller in the starting rotation? Um, and that's that is where I think we need to start talking about Bryce Miller here. Not necessarily knowing how that would look because I don't know if they're going to be willing to bump Marco Gonzalez out of the gate and that's realistically what it looks like. Unfortunately, I think it still would need an injury or something of that you know sort. But I think you're now looking at, you know, okay, this might be the first guy you go to and you might be more comfortable trading Chris Flexen. Um, which I still think is on the table. Uh, and, you know, who knows? But I, I do still think that that is a pathway, um, but makes the most sense before the season. I think the question before we saw him pitch this spring was, is Bryce Miller ready or does he need to go down and get some seasoning for a while? And the Mariners right. be looking at him over the summer. I think the very obvious answer at this point is they would put him in the five spot if that wasn't occupied. Yeah. Pitching out of spring training with the Mariners if there was a place for him. That being said, let's go to Ben Thone's question, which is call your shot. The most significant piece the Mariners will trade between now and the traded line is... I do think that one of those two starting pitchers in front of him gets traded. I think Marco or Flexen goes somewhere, and it may not be necessarily about the return the Mariners get. It might be about just a team offering good value because they need a starter. And John and I, before the podcast, were talking about some teams, the Mets potentially, who are going to be without uh, some starting pitchers. Uh, Boston already had James Paxton go down. I was laughing a little bit to myself because all the ex-Mariners who are injured here yeah. one time have been getting injured again. I was like, it's it's liable yeah. that Chris Flexen goes to replace James Paxton or Justin Dunn. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think as far as a potential fit for Flexen leaving here? But what do the Mariners maybe want back in one of the things they could want back at this stage is a utility guy to plug in temporarily. Right trade early so i'm curious to see what you think there hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price, price line. Well, that, yeah, because that is, the, you know, the two spots that I think would make the most sense are you, if you're trading a starting pitcher to another team that ostensibly thinks they're going to be competitive, it's hard to get, you know, just you're pulling from major league roster essentially. So I think utility player is definitely one of the spots. Um, I think I, I agree with the Red, agree with the Red Sox and the uh, Mets. I also think the Yankees, who um, just announced that Carlos Rodon is going to start the year on the IL, mm-hmm. uh, joining Frankie Montas and uh, Luis Gil, um, and you know pushing, uh, you know pushing their rotation into more and more sort of uncertainty. I think Nestor Cortez is. Fine, but I know he had some sort of ding that definitely put him out of the World Baseball Classic. So he's he's not you know top pace. Um, anyway, I know you know the Yankees have some interesting options there. 
I don't know if they're so exciting to me um, because I think it's either a utility player or it's a more solid um, outfield and or just general bat solution, right? There's Because those are the two options. And I don't think the Mariners are going to get a like full-time DH player. They want to have that sort of rotating through situation, which is fine. But they, I, I just do still think they need another quality hitter on their bench or in their rotation of their lineup right now. Um, and that I think they are still missing that. So, you know, Aaron Hicks has been a player that I thought would be an interesting fit. He's got a bigger contract. The Yankees would probably kick in something else to get flex in if the Mariners were willing to take on Hicks. Um, I know Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is another option there, though that's less interesting to me. Um, just from the standpoint of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is a really great defensive player, but you know, once you hype, once you hopefully have a healthy Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty, you don't, you, you're not necessarily going to have all of them. Um, so, you know, I think those are those are definitely options. Um, I think you could probably pry away uh, from Boston. Um, Bobby Dahlbeck is a is certainly a player that's been talked about a lot. I don't know if that's even one to one value there, but you know Dahlbeck's a, a solid righty slugger um, that would you know help. You could you could justify him backing up Suarez and giving Suarez a day off, and certainly um, you know he's got some pop there. Um, you know it's it, it, these aren't necessarily like super exciting moves obviously but it they are the type of thing that it it does lengthen your lineup a bit um in a way that i think you know seattle is going to they you know this is sort of their last window to do that um and i i would like them to i would like their bench basically to have a little bit more offensive um impact you know that could maybe be Kevin Biggio if you're looking at Toronto I know Toronto's um still in decent shape but right now they are looking at Yusei Kikuchi in their rotation and I don't <laughs> think they want to do that um I mean you know they signed God up level. for this <laughs> they did sign up for this but like the, the you know it's they you say Kikuchi's year literally basically mirrored like 2022 was basically the same as 2021 where he was on a very competitive team that was short on pitchers and they still moved him out of the rotation because mm -hmm. they just couldn't count on what he was giving them um I know they'll have Hyunjin Ryu coming back at some point um, but that's going to still be like mid-season. So, uh, and they have a lot of veteran pitchers who, uh, you know, have a lot of miles on their arms. So, um, I, I do think that might be a fit. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just we've still got two two and a half weeks or three weeks till the till the start of the season. There's just so many spots in which, uh, you know team the holes are going to pop up unfortunately um and uh you know flexin is not the type of pitcher that is going to start a 
playoff game for most teams. So he's not necessarily the type of pitcher, right? Like Mike Leak for the Mariners was when when the Mariners traded for Mike Leak. You know, the reason the Mariners could get Mike Leak for very, very little, um, shout out to Raider Escanio, um, was because, you know, he just was an innings eater and he was going to basically eat innings for like eight to 10 more starts uh, and the money. But like, that's not the type of pitcher that gets you a ton more at the trade deadline. Um, so he, he makes it's particularly valuable if you're getting him moved at the start of the season. Um, and I, Part of the reason this is a hard question to answer right now is because we don't know if the Mariners are going to fill a hole they're going to have a month from now or if they're looking to kind of maybe patch the roster as it currently exists. And when you're talking about adding a bat, that guy is already on the roster and Tommy LaStella, he just hasn't managed to get in a game yet. And so the question is between now and opening day, do do the Mariners think that he's going to be healthy? Do they think that Evan White could potentially fill in? Does Dylan Morgan in some game action? Is Sam Haggerty able to ramp it up to speed? As Shannon said, Um, if we have, when those answers crystallize a little bit, we'll be able to see specifically where the hole is on this roster because a, a question for me, especially when going through the names you just mentioned is do the Mariners want somebody in the interim that they can boot off the roster when Haggerty and Moore are ready? Or do they maybe want to upgrade that position wholesale or the Tommy LaStella position wholesale? And those are different right. things because you may not get a better player than those guys back for just Chris Flexen. Um, which is where I like your idea of trading with the Yankees, maybe taking on some salary, getting Aaron Hicks. There are options here. Uh, but it's hard to say. I will say that coming back to Ben's question, the significant piece the Mariners will trade between now and the deadline, I think there is a prospect trade in the Mariners for a major league player because the Mariners have quite a few good starting pitchers kind of bubbling up under the surface and maybe even an interesting position player or two somewheres. Uh, and they are going to have a hole somewheres. I don't know where it is looking at this roster today where they want to fill, but I do think that they trade some of Hancock, Dollard, Miller, uh, maybe even like a Deloach for something at the deadline. What do you think, John? I definitely think that Deloach uh, and and Dollard are, are players that they'll look to move. I don't know how much they're going to ultimately get, but I do think, you know, they are in the enviable and also risky spot of, uh, you know, having enough pitching depth to trade from. Um, and certainly I think, especially by the deadline, I think that could be more plausible because hopefully they will be seeing some some sort of strides from um, a lot of their much younger pitchers who who have been, you know, in the slow play zone. Um, that they've drafted over the past few years. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I think definitely at the deadline we could see something bigger in that regard. But, um, you know, for now, for now it's tricky, right? You know, for now we're looking more at, like, who is going to be the Carlos Santana of this, uh, you know, of, of this, <laughs> right? You know, like that where it's, like, literally Carlos Santana is almost what we're sort of looking at here. Um mm-hmm for you know well they just need another bat um you know is that bat you know i think you're right basically they're looking at this of is that bat already in the in the team is that bat in the room with us now uh (laughs) of evan white or uh you know kelnick uh you know stepping up to such a degree that you know you're you're really getting um you're not stressing that so much because um, I'm I'm not sold. 
Yeah, and the Mariners can weather their current storm as far as players who are who are slow to get going by just playing everybody in position. Right now, the guys who are who are not available are Listella, who is a backup, Dylan Moore, and Sam Haggerty, who are both utility players who are backing up starters. So the Mariners are in a position where they're gonna be okay as long as they don't lose anybody else for now, right? Like they can they can hold this for a little while. And we we know that Dylan Moore is ramping up. We know that Sam Haggerty's ramping up. We know that uh, Taylor Trammell is gonna start swinging a bat as soon as next week. I'm pretty sure it's been it's been about a month. Um, he had a five week recovery, so we're coming on that timeline as well. Like, I feel like we're in a really good spot. It's it's kind of hard to say that because we're literally talking about potentially where the Mariners might have holes or like injury fill-ins potentially before coming out of spring training. But I feel like all things considered, the the good players are healthy, and the guys that are struggling to get there are rotational anyway. And I feel good. I feel pretty good about that. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. Um. I am looking through because uh, I am. We we got a few. Que- most of our questions here, I think, are um, centered around the outfield. Um, so I I am <clears throat> wanting to to roll in uh, a, a solid one from Bo Stansfield here, which I you know think is is maybe the Mariners are tipping their hand on this. Um, which is, I know defensive metrics are weird, but if the splits say that Teoscar Hernandez is better in left field than right field, why is it so presumed that he's our right fielder other than, quote, replacing Hanniger? Uh Good question. Good uh, question. It is a good question. Um, I don't know for sure if the Mariners are going to um, have Teoscar in right field as much compared to uh, Kelnick and Pollock. What I do think is they are um, potentially trying to hide Teoscar a little bit, um, which is to say right field in Seattle is probably the easier assignment compared to left field, um, just in that it's a shorter porch. It is... The only point of complexity is that there's a corner um, and the corner is, you know, it's not like a super crazy corner. It's just that the ball can go down the the line there and then you have to go dig it out. Um, It's straight across the entire way. um, Whereas left field just has a deeper, deeper gaps and uh, also has sort of the uh, weird little jut out point. Um, So there's, there's actually, I think, Whereas left field obviously has a lesser arm requirement. Tasker has a great arm um, and he's got, you know, plenty of speed. So I think if they are, you know, while he may grade slightly better or slightly worse one way or another, I think they are trying to essentially give him the slightly less. Um, I agree with all that. I also would say that the Mariners used to, in my opinion, agree with, with you both much more than they do. And I think a specific case that dissuaded them from moving potentially right fielders to left field was Domingo Santana. Because the team <laughs> came out before they tried that, and they're like, "No, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It's an easier yeah. position. He's like, he's yeah. a good defender, good athlete. It's going to be fine." And he like ha- he got he had the yips. Like I still remember him trying to catch balls and like being positioned with the glove on the wrong side and yeah. stuff. And like I couldn't. I just I still can't figure out exactly what happened there. 
it's not even like, like it was it was something beyond he had the yomps like it wasn't the yomps. <laughs> i don't know what like i really enjoyed domingo santana domingo santana is one of my like favorite worst like bad times mariners oh yeah uh, for sure absolutely for sure. i recognize it didn't didn't end up great but like that dude's weird weird swing, fisting the ball swing and and just like his loping gait uh were very entertaining to me but man oh man he was rough that whole team defensively was i i like it because i think they really did set the bar they set the stage so well for JP uh, Crawford to look so good with <laughs> Domingo Santana and uh, Malik Smith and uh, oh. and Tim Anderson and uh, you know I mean just Jay Bruce it like you know basically I, I use this metaphor at some other point and I can't remember but you you know you know how like old guys or old fo- old folks sorry old folks who are <laughs> I really mean this in a very respectful way but like my I have uh, an uncle who is really really good at tennis and he has no knee cartilage and so he basically plays on a pivot in the middle of the court where he is just like anything you know he will take one step left or right or whatever and then he'll just return and his hands are great but like if it's more than one step to the left or right, it is, it doesn't exist. If you know, <laughs> let go and let God with that ball. Uh, and you know, like that is, I, I always think that's such a great move. Cause you're like, I'm going to be really technically sound at what I can control because my physical capabilities are what they are. Uh, know and that limits, was right. <laughs> that was the experience of watching Jay Bruce play right field. <laughs> um, so Yes, Teoscar Hernandez may not be that great, but boy, it'll be different than that. Uh, yeah, I think hold that in your mind, and uh, and you won't feel so bad. Um, a nice thing, by the way, the, the Mariners lineup did just drop, and uh, Tommy Listella is uh, is in the lineup. So there we go. That is encouraging. We should hopefully have a little better sense there. Um. I want to pop in. We talked a decent amount about this, but uh, or things around this, but CJGJ burner account at Astern7. Let's say every single player on the Mariners meets your expected production for them almost exactly, except for Kelnick, who has a five to six war season. Assuming this team makes the playoffs, how far do they get? Or more simply put, what is the tangible or as close to tangible as we can get right now? Importance of an excellent season from Kelnick. So this is, in in this context, let's say the team wins 90 to 92 games and Jared has a five-win season. That's what we're looking at? We're looking at, yeah, roughly, no, you know, no, nothing dramatically out of place positively or negatively elsewhere except for Jared having a five to six more season which yes I think that would that would constitute to me a 90 to 92 win team I think if Jared Kelnick is a six win player we're going to the World Series baby woo <laughs> no, but for real, like that would be incredible. I, I actually joked earlier this year in the Slack. I said if Evan White gets 400 plate appearances, we're winning the World Series, and I'm sticking by that, man. Like, 
If we get the kind of fortune that of a five-win season from Jared, of something from Taylor Trammell, of Evan White being healthy, uh, there are definitely some secret pieces to this team that if they gelled and were, were substantial value that we're not currently counting on, that's a big deal. Yeah, I, I to be frank, I, I think it would be it would be absolutely massive. It would be absolutely titanic. It would essentially mean the Mariners can look at this sort of the next four plus years at minimum with thinking we are going to have three plus position player stars and this rotation that is that is a division and world series contending team especially if you're willing to put like a little bit of money around it and you know if you get anything else from the rest of your lineup right um because yeah you're looking at maybe the best outfield in baseball probably the best outfield in baseball if you have uh, that from Kelnick and you have what you might expect from Julio and Teoscar. They could potentially uh, get 15 wins from that outfield. That would yeah. be pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be pers- human as a, as, a, as a human being uh, attracted uh, to that <laughs> personal, that, that sort of performance. Um, yeah. Yeah, I you know like it's obvious like if the if if a, if this player is really good it'd be good but like I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If 23-year-old Jared Kelnick is able to, uh, you know, actually look like a star like he doesn't need to look like a star for the team to be good but if he looks like a star that is unbelievably unbelievably you know dramatically impactful for the trajectory of the franchise i and i will say because i i think this is a good point that some um i've seen some video and some some still images uh To, to put it like a like a 1940s uh you know analyst of uh talking about you know the, the the new world of of the still image um Kelnick has absolutely been punishing meatball fastballs that is where he's been doing the damage this spring for the most part um you know he hit a breaking ball from a and like a fastball from a lefty early in spring. And that was nice, but like, it's not, this is not as though he's just going out there and like hitting other pitchers, best pitches, but that's like, all you really need for him to do is to actually hit those bad pitches. Cause that's, you know, that's it, it is hard enough. There are so few players who are good in Major League Baseball because they hit pitchers' best pitches. Many, many, many players make their careers out of 
hitting bad pitches and just not getting crushed by the good ones. So what we've seen more of from Kalnick so far, and it hasn't been enough to change, you know, dramatically the perspective, but it is, you know, the right stuff thus far, is him not being as consistently flummoxed, right? The Devin Williams uh, homer that he hit was like, yeah, Devin Williams' fastball is like 92 to 94. It's not that impressive, and especially not that impressive when it's, you know, letter high, you know, over the plate. But when you lay off of multiple changeups, you know, that are among the best changeup in baseball, um, to then get that fastball and actually hit it and not just foul it off, yeah. That's that's how you have success. <laughs> that's how you can have a very solid amount of success. Is and, and that's sort of what was at the crux of Cal Raleigh's breakout last year. Was it wasn't like he was, you know, eventually he was hitting kind of everything because Cal Raleigh's always been really really good at hitting. Um, you know, he made a not very good Florida State team relevant pretty much single handedly, but like. Cal Raleigh's big thing last year, it was, you know, part of it was talking with Mitch Haniger and and the team and basically being, you know, you are here, you are good at hitting fastballs, go hit fastballs, don't worry about missing other shit, hit fastballs when you get them. And, you know, eventually, once you have that confidence and once you're doing that, you're going to, you know, it, it steamrolls. Uh, it steamrolls for many players. So I think that's what we want to see from Kelnick because we haven't seen it consistently outside. And, you know, the most consistently we've seen it was a month in September of 2021. And, uh, you know, I think we can see more of that. Uh, I think that player is in there and that player gets better the more that he has success. So um, it would be massive. A big thing to watch for with Jared, too, is I believe I, I'm, I might get this backwards, but I believe he hit a home run the other day on a 2-0 pitch. And it was the mm-hmm. first time he's done that in maybe ever, but in, in a long time. And one of his deficiencies last year was that even when he was getting ahead in the count, he was frequently giving it back. And oh, uh, yeah. his rate of success on plate appearances where he went 2-0, 3-0 is staggeringly low, like way below average. Oh, yeah. And if he can... I interpret that as he was losing to pitchers and we listen. I listened to Shannon do an interview earlier last week and she kind of mentioned the same thing, which is that pitchers were out sequencing him and he was getting beat. He was getting ahead 2 yeah. and they were, they were pitching him and he couldn't hit it. And if yeah. Jared can manage to convert more of those advantages, those one Oh two Oh three Oh plate appearances into production the same way he can, you know, can hit bad pitches that yeah. all converges for him to be a productive hitter, whether or not some of the, whether or not everything completely gels, that's a baseline to start with. And I'm excited to see if he can be that guy first. Because remember, even last year when Julio took off, like it takes a sec for everything to kind of settle in, for them to, to totally find their footing, and then for it to just explode. And he did. And, you know, over the summer, the rest was history. Uh, but I would really like to see Jared win some of those at-bats in early on in April. And I think in a larger sense... The Mariners' fate depends on how they come out of the gate this year to me because the argument I've been sold on from Jerry and from everyone who's talked about the team internally is we are the team we were over the summer and over the second half of last year all year. That's our pitch to be better. Mm -hmm. I believe that. 
they do that by not being 10 games under 500 in there. That's how it works. Yeah. You do that by not needing a 14 game winning streak to re put your head above water. And if they want a 14 game winning streak, anyways, you know, cherry on top. Absolutely. But we should, I would really like to see the team play. 500 or better ball the first two months to give them that leg up where they didn't have it last year. And uh, yeah, a big part of that's going to be Jared. I am loving all the Jared energy. Jared stuff on the site has been getting so much attention. Jared tweets from the Mariners get tons of attention. This seems like the stars are aligning for him to have a really conclusive year one way or the other. And I'm, I'm very excited to see how it goes and we need him. You know, the, the, cl- the crux of this question is, like, how much do we need him? He's not the most essential player for the success of this team, but he could be a big difference maker, no question. I think it's, you know, this is sort of silly because, you know, anyone could anyone could be better and it ultimately doesn't matter. But I think – I don't think the Mariners need Jared Kelnick to be great to make the playoffs, but I think the Mariners need Jared Kelnick to be great if they want to win the, the division. How's that? If 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 you if you want to actually challenge Houston this year, you need Jared Kelnick to be a, an above average player, and uh, you know just based on how much they're how where their playing time is breaking down, and the slightly more sure things in as much as that means anything at all um, throughout the rest of the roster. Yeah, that's that's I think where where it comes down to. Um, How about we do the last question and let you go, John, because you got to get to work. I do indeed. Um, so we're going to NWCO Dad on Twitter, um, and this is breaking into the uh, the old World Baseball Classic here. Um, and sorry, just real quick, we got a good question from Jace Bean at Bean Jace, um, but I. I can't in good conscience do a question about what the 2023 M's team motto slash thing will be without Kate here. Um, so I, you know, um, I am, Very I, am true. I am putting a pin on that one. Please, please do bring it back. Cause it's a good question. Um, so uh, NW Codad says right now, I pretty much exclusively want to talk about why the Cuban team isn't very good, even though Cuba can finally play its best players in an international competition. So, uh, for anyone who's, who's not paying attention yet, the, uh, world baseball classic, uh, has begun, um, the, or, or even if you are paying attention, you'd be forgiven because the games that are actually happening right now are the ones that are happening um, in the two Asia-based uh, pools. So there's a pool of five teams that are playing in Tokyo, and there's a pool of five teams that are playing in uh, Taiwan. And uh, Cuba, with a pretty dang good roster including, uh, you know, many of their, like, still-in-Cuba stars, as well as uh, Luis Robert, um, Yon Moncada, um, and uh, sort of a, a handful of other um, high-level players, um, was upset by Panama in their first game uh, of, the, of the series, or of the, of the sort of set, and then um, in last night's game, I believe they lost to Italy. 
yes, they lost to Italy. Now, again, Italy has some uh, certainly, you know, the 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 who gets to qualify for what country is a little bit, you know, interpretive, right? Of of you know, if your parents were born in a place, it's generally allowed. So that you know, there's a lot of Italian players who's you know are are heritage based as opposed to necessarily you know the starter for Italy was Matt Harvey, um, but Matt Harvey pitched pretty well. Um, Here's what I'll say, I guess. And sorry, Cuba lost to um, the Netherlands, not to not to Panama. Um, Cuba played really well against, and and a couple of their pitchers, I think, are pitchers that we are going to see in the major leagues. Um, I think they are. This is sort of the fun and the wildness of tournament baseball, where it's just like you only get like. A handful of games and then it's and then it's up you know you get like i think uh you i think you play each team twice if i recall correctly uh in these pools and it, it may be even less than that but man yeah this the the coming out of the gate here these wbc games have been fantastic um if you can get you know almost all of them i think are broadcast on fs1 or fs2 um which you you know if you have cable great if you have other services you may be able to get that um it's 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 of the streaming services probably not the hardest to find um and i mean the the environments have been sweet um i will just throw in saturday the u.s is playing a Mexico at Chase Field in Phoenix. It is sold Ooh, out. It's been sold out for like a like week already. It's going to be nuts. The Mexican team is very good. Um, you know, the US team is unbelievably good. Well, their pitching is kind of kind of suspect, but the 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 lineup is like unfathomable. Um they have so, Matt Brash. They'll be fine. Or no, Matt Brash is on Team Cuba. Canada. Excuse uh, me. Canada, yeah. Um, no, but they do have Taiwan Walker uh, in uh, in Team Mexico, um, as well as uh, Julio Urias and a number of other, um, yeah, very solid players. Um, it's I, – I just – like I can't emphasize strongly enough. I get the – you know, the people being nervous or people caring about the team first and, I, you know, not wanting players to get hurt, of course. This is, this is a way to enjoy baseball that you, de- you deserve to let yourself have, a, have an experience with because it is, it is different and it, is, it means so much pretty much everywhere else outside of the U.S. And I think, you know, the U.S. finally won the last time after getting trounced uh, and, you know, sort of not trounced, but like, you know, not not performing enough. Uh, and I think they are going to really get a fun run for their money this year, too. Um, so please, please, please tune into these games. You won't regret it. And if you really hate the pitch clock and all the other new rules, they don't exist in it. So you can get a nice four hour game. Uh, we didn't even talk about all that stuff. Uh, oh it's been gosh. great, hasn't it? it I well, think so. Yeah. I, I will also say the um, 
the experience of being in person at a game, and this is, you know, I'd been at minor league games. Evan, I don't know if you've been to any pitch clock games. Have you? Not yet, no. Okay. It's a lot. I think, you know, I was talking to some friends who and you know, some of the folks there who'd had it felt like it was more disruptive on TV to their experience when they were watching. But then when they were actually in person, you don't really notice it other than that there's just a lot less downtime. It's pretty, it's pretty solid. And and like all every sort of bit of data is reasonably um reasonably encouraging i think like the time of game from last spring training and jeff passon just sort of showed this like the time of game is down 25 minutes from last spring training there's a about the same or a slight uptick in runs per game there's almost an entire another steal per game the batting average on balls and play on grounders is up 20 points strikeouts are down a little bit like it's not bad at all and the like violations, the sort of big, like noticeable ones are going down week after week. I think, you know, certainly it's annoying, but also like they'll get used to it. It's, you know, it's like any part of your job where it's annoying and new or any, you know, your experience, like it's annoying and new and then you figure it out and it's fine. Yeah. They're pros. They get they get paid to do this if they need yeah. to. Like even when uh, Logan and Kirby were kind of struggling with it initially, like yeah. these guys are so smart. If this is a problem for them, they're going to start doing it in their bullpens. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if there's a will, there's a way. What I would yeah. say is, having watched this, um, I believe very strongly that from a watchability perspective, as a television product, this is far superior. Yes, uh, there's way less faffing around. Just in general, there's much less like nothing happening and the the commentators just kind of sitting there with dead air um you know one of the common complaints you hear about the mariners broadcast is like they're not talking about the game or aaron goldsmith is talking about ice cream or you know like it's a little off topic all of that right. goes away when you get rid of like the batter stepping out for 30 seconds every pitch and, yeah uh, i think it's been great i totally believe what you said that you feel it more watching than you do when you're actually at the game because you're at the mm. game you're in the flow of the game you know it's just right. it's just going right. when you're watching it you're much more conscious of the fact that it's demanding your attention because it's it's an open secret mm -hmm. that i kind of watch baseball as a side activity while i'm doing other stuff particularly while yeah. I'm doing other music work and like i don't have to pay that much attention to it historically what i've noticed from these spring training games is i gotta watch because if i don't it's <laughs> over right like it's, yeah. just, it's, yeah. it's just here and gone and uh there are times over the last couple of years where a game has been like a game starts at one and I'll check in at three o'clock. And like, if I do that now, the game is over. So yeah. there is some getting used to that, but I think it's been a good change wholesale. Uh, I know that there's the, it's 20, 15 seconds, right. For the pitcher to get back on the mound. Uh, 15 from, from the moment in which the pitcher receives the ball, they have, yeah, the 15 seconds with nobody on base starts. I think they could conceivably up that to 20 seconds or even 30, and it would still be very effective. But if they left it here, I think this is a good change for the sport. I think this is I think this is going to be fine. You know, I could even see them ticking it up to like 18 or, you know, I, I wouldn't def I definitely wouldn't go 30. 30. 30 is where we usually have been, and that's it's it it adds up. But I think where it's at is pretty satisfying and i think that the more it gets there uh the more you know the more people are going to get used to it because it is like you said right it is an adjustment for your expectations but i think ultimately like actually you know actually being something where you want to be engaged with it so that you can follow it 
is pretty good. And, you know, people will get used to how, you know, that cadence breaks down. Um, and, and I think that that is, that is a positive. Um, I do think, you know, you do lose something with the downtime for store, you know, for like the, cause I think some, I, I am usually a fan of the, you know, actually the action, the action, the action. Um, but I do respect like people who really enjoy sort of the more meandering storytelling components. What I will say is there are still going to be plenty of opportunities for that. There are going to be blowouts. There are going to be games that it's going relatively efficiently, but nothing is happening is you know no one's scoring you know whatever um and that's okay i you know i think those those opportunities are still going to be there so i don't think we need to fully fear those being those storytelling times being lost i uh i am looking forward to to seeing more of this and to seeing it's uh you know as we get down the stretch here um you know we're gonna get some really really good intense baseball over the next week or two here with the wbc uh, please, please, please find a way to tune in. Go to a bar or somewhere and tell them, "Hey, this is on. Trust me. Put it on. It's going to be sick." Uh, you know, fall fall in love with some random Italian or uh, you know Nicaraguan or you know play players you've never heard of, you'll never hear of again. Uh, but you know, why not? Uh, it's it's. It, this is this is this is a fun time to to watch baseball, and I think it's MLB is in a really good. All of the like viewership numbers are up. It, it, like all of, all of this stuff is like, oh yeah, maybe maybe baseball is actually coming back here a little bit, um, having a bit of a moment, honestly. having a bit of a moment. I think I think it's a really exciting time to be a baseball fan, and I, you know I think. There's sort of a inherent sheepishness, sheepishness sometimes in like talking about being, you know, like oh yeah, I'm like a Mariners fan or like oh yeah, watching this. That is not always the same for other sports, and I think that that is that is sort of uh, melted away a bit here. Of like there, there's genuine enthusiasm, not not like mildly bashful enthusiasm here, um, and I think it's. Uh, I, I think go out into the world and tell people you're excited about baseball because uh, you you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how many other people will be too. In a wider context, baseball has been aging in the popular consciousness, particularly in America over the last 15, 20 years. And it seems like lately, really post pandemic, it has had a little bit of a resurgence in terms of interest just in terms of buzz around it and not these new rules people seem excited yeah. all good stuff uh we'll close on today saying that the mariners are playing team canada this afternoon uh mm-hmm. noon and i think this is a pretty interesting game marco's pitching sam haggerty is getting in his first action same as tommy Lastella. evan white's playing jonathan jonathan classe is going to be in center field like this is this is exciting so uh yeah hope springs eternal spring training is always fun this is a good time of year yeah well, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us. Um, I know we've we've talked uh, bit, bits, pieces, and bits here and there uh, about sort of what the what the next step for the podcast here is going to be. Um, the long and short is, uh, you know, we're we're still we're still in in the works on that, um, but 
you know, you won't need to, you won't need to adjust your dial. Um, and, uh, you know, you just might in the, in, in the next few weeks, uh, or, or month or two, you know, we'll, we'll probably have some more details for you there. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll keep talking Mariners baseball with you all along the way. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Evan, for joining me this morning. Uh, please send your good weather wishes down to Kate. Uh, I think, <laughs> Uh, I think it's going well. I think it's no no longer hailing, as far as I can tell, uh, like it was last week and the week before. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's always it's always an interesting.